Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, the final from Oakland Coliseum in California. It's the Oakland Athletics for the Cleveland Guardians 3. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And it's disappointing. It is a disappointing ending, a game that I managed to stay awake for the whole thing this time. There was no Davey Knapp inning in this game. I did chores. I made my lunch for tomorrow. I did everything I could to stay awake for this one. And man, the guards offense went ice cold after Ramirez's bloop Double, ridiculous, center fielder and second baseman almost collide. You know, scores Miles Straw play in the fifth inning. The guards just get shut down after that. Gonzalez would pop out to end the inning, and then they'd strike out the side in the sixth. Naylor, Arias, and Jimenez. Uh, They'd draw a walk. Straw would draw a walk in the seventh, uh, but wouldn't be able to do anything there. And then uh, in the eighth inning, pop out, ground out, ground out from Ramirez, Gonzalez, and Naylor. And I mean, that's your that's your big meat of the order up in the eighth inning. That's that's your chance to put a rally together. And then Zanino actually draws a walk in the ninth, but Miles Straw would strike out the Guardians' last chance. So two guys reach via walk, but not another hit after Jose Ramirez in the fifth inning. And I was it was so disappointing because. It felt like the first half of this game, even though Oakland scored first, even though they scored first, we answer right back in the top of the frame. It felt like our game. It felt like absolutely, uh, you got one good inning on Bieber, right? You got him one inning. You weren't going to get him again. Bieber was locked in for most of the night. It felt like our game. And then... Suddenly, we make their bullpen look fantastic. Our offense just goes ice, ice cold. And uh, our bullpen held on as long as they could. Unfortunately, man, people are being hard on Karinchek on Twitter. Uh, Karinchek takes another loss in this one uh, in the ninth inning. He blows it in the ninth inning on a tie in a tie game, a 3-3 game. Uh, gives up, uh, what does he give up here? A walk, that's right, walks the leadoff hitter. Uh, on a ground out, the runner is able to move up to second base. Uh, Ruiz grounds out deep in the hole uh, at second. Jimenez is able to cut it off, but his only play is the first. And then Tony Kemp delivers a single in the right field. Oscar Gonzalez had a chance to throw him out at the plate. Uh, Noda, not a super speedy guy. He had a chance to throw him out at the plate. The throw is way up the line, up the third base line. And Noda comes in to score the game-winning run. And Karen check eats the loss in this one. Uh, it's, man, I mean, it it didn't have to go down like this, did it? It, it really felt like we had this one uh, in our grasp uh, up until that fifth inning, and then it just all, all falls apart for the Cleveland Guardians. All right. So let's get into it. Let's discuss it. We'll get into the top storylines. I got a comment on Twitter that I want to uh, get into at the end talking about Plesak and maybe who's waiting in the wings to take his spot if Plesak can't hold down his spot in the rotation. So we will get into that. But first, the game. In fact, before that, before we even talk about the game, 
I got to put a note for uh, yesterday's game. I told you defense is really hard for me to, you know, remember it doesn't pop up on StatCast. It should. It should. If, if you make, uh, you know, when you have a hard hit ball, they have a column for it on StatCast. You get a little fire emoji. I, I wish it gave you more details. I don't know why. There's other things on StatCast. You hover over them. It'll give you every detail about that thing. Why, when you hover over the fire emojis, does it not tell you, like, what what that play was? It'll tell you the exit velocity. So, uh, Oscar Gonzalez hit one at 109.3 miles per hour today. 109.3. But it won't tell you what that is. I'm assuming that's the double he hit off the wall in the fourth inning. But it won't tell you what that is. So, that's a little bit frustrating. Or the triple. That's right. It was the triple off the wall that he hit. Uh... But would it be nice if they make a great defensive play, put a little gold glove there. Put an extra column on StatCast and just put like a little gold glove or something like that so we know that that person made a great defensive play at some point in this game. That'd be helpful, right? That's good advice for StatCast. But anyways, a defensive play that we didn't mention uh, from yesterday's game, from two games ago, the first game against the A's, was Brennan. Brennan out in right field threw out a base runner at the plate. It was a huge, huge momentum swing at the time, and it was just a perfect throw. Could have used that throw tonight in the ninth inning, couldn't we? Yeah, we could have. Uh, it was a perfect one-hop, an easy one-hop for the catcher to be able to get it clean, put the tag down, it's exactly uh, how you draw it up. As the outfielder, it's exactly as you envision it in your head, right? You envision you envision these things over and over again. Believe me. That runner gets on second base, right? That runner's on third base waiting to tag up on a sack fly. You picture it in your head what it's going to look like when you get that ball and fire in that throw. And that's about, about exactly, I'm sure, what it looked like in Brennan's head. So a great defensive play there. Uh, and now we move into the storylines of this game. I had to shout that out. I missed it in last episode. I had to, I had to make a correction here and shout out that great defensive play. So let's get into it in this one. And top storyline for me in this game, it's got to be Shane Bieber. And, you know, a couple situations where he was looking great and then a couple of situations where Oakland did get to him. And, uh, you know... I did think he was pitching with a lot of confidence, which is nice to see from our ace. Uh, like he, he really looked pretty comfortable on the mound uh, these last two games. Like he really looks like he's just back, enjoying pitching, knows that he's got a wicked slider and curveball, not really worried about the velocity. Uh, he's just out there having a good time pitching. And, you know, he threw a ton of sliders tonight. An absolute ton. Four, uh, 54% of his pitches were sliders. 48 of his 89 pitches were sliders. Um, then he went with the four-seam fastball 23 times, the knuckle curve 11 times, and the cutter 7. Where against Seattle, he threw the cutter a ton. So in this one, he switches it up, goes slider, and it was a somewhat effective. I mean, he got nine whiffs whiff on 33 swings. It's a 27% whiff rate. Five called strikes, so it's a 29% CSW total on that pitch. 15 foul balls always helps. Always helps. Gets you into pitcher's counts. But they put nine in play. And it, they were being aggressive against it. And you could see that in the uh, 
in the third inning, the inning where they score two runs, uh, he ends up walking the leadoff hitter, Ryan Noda. Uh, that brings up Carlos Perez. Perez, first pitch swinging, uh, takes a uh, takes a slider that's away off the plate, but he shoots a ground ball into center field. Uh, I think this is the one, uh, yeah, deflected by second baseman Andres Jimenez. So this is another one where Andres Jimenez probably should have come up with it. Probably. I. It's a hard hit ball. It's a rough hop but probably should have come up with it and doesn't. It goes out into center field. Uh, now they've got a rally going. Estan Ruiz jumps on the second slider, throws him one that he foul bunts it. And then the second one, uh, it's a slider breaking in, uh, or uh, it stays inside on the right-handed hitter. It's down at the thighs, and he shoots this one in the left field, he turns on it, 92.7 mile per exit velocity, drops it down the left field line for a double. Ryan Noda comes in to score. Perez goes to third, so they're being really aggressive. Perez, first pitch swinging. And Ruiz swings at both sliders he sees. Tony Kemp comes up next, first pitch swinging at a fastball. He ends up flying out to Miles Straw. Miles Straw with a strong throw actually holds the runner at third base, but Jace Peterson is able to get it done with a sack fly. Uh, he does work the count a little bit more. Uh, takes a called strike, fouls one off, lays off two in the dirt, or two down low, two knuckle curves down low, and he comes back with another slider that he probably didn't want to put this high. This is, eh, it's up around the belly. It's uh, breaking away from the left-handed pitter, Jace Peterson, so he does the right thing, shoots it out to left field. It's a sack fly to Stephen Kwan out there, and Perez comes in to score uh, to give them that 2 nothing lead. And then Diaz, to end the inning, goes after the first pitch again, another slider. So they were being really, really aggressive against Shane Bieber's sliders. Now, Bieber's got a 3-2 lead. We're in the sixth inning. It looks like he's going to get out of things in the sixth inning. It's looking great for him. Who knows if he even stays in and pitches further into the seventh uh, if he does walk away with that lead in the sixth inning. But uh, Tony Kemp would single to start off the inning. Peterson would strike out. Diaz would ground out. But Seth Brown would strike out what should have ended the inning, but it gets past Zanino. It goes as a wild pitch, but it absolutely, absolutely was Zanino's fault. You've got to keep the ball in front of you. Use your body. That's why you're wearing all those pads. To knock the ball down, to keep it in front of you, to use every inch of you to keep the ball in front of you. You cannot let this happen. Not only do you extend the inning, not only do you extend your ace pitcher more pitches in this sixth inning, prevent him from going into another inning, you also let the tying run come across and score. So it's a completely unacceptable play from Zanino. Uh, Let's go to this at bat against Seth Brown here and uh, see what Bieber did here. Uh, it'd be the second-to-last batter he'd face. He would get Jesus Aguilar to uh, pop up pretty quick to end things. We didn't waste too many pitches, only two more pitches to get him to pop up. But against Seth Brown here, it's a bit of a battle here. Uh, slider away that he takes for a ball. Another slider away. This time he swings at it and chases it almost the exact same pitch. Then he goes down into the dirt with a slider. I am telling you, Bieber threw so many sliders tonight. Throws him a fourth slider in a row. 
uh, to the lefty. This one, uh, this one breaks in at his knees and he fouls it off. Throws him a knuckle curve in the dirt. Uh, that one is blocked. The one in the dirt is blocked. So now he's worked it to a full count. Throws him another knuckle curve on the plate that he fouls off. And then goes back to a slider down low that he swings through for what should have been strike three. <sighs> this this game was this game was pretty frustrating. It's pretty maddening uh, because this really there was no excuse. I mean, we made Oakland. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'll finish a sentence here. Don't worry. Uh, teams like Oakland. You jump on them early. You beat them up early. You you knock them out of the game. The morale's not there. The the drive isn't there. You let them hang around. You give them extra outs. You do things defensively that help them out. They're going to hang around, and they're going to cause some problems for you. They're going to start to feel themselves a little bit. These are Major League Baseball players here. They might be on one of the worst teams in baseball, but these guys still can play baseball. And you let them hang around like this. You give them momentum. You hand them momentum like this. They're going to make you pay. It's not an easy game. Even for the good teams, it's not an easy game. So that's that's kind of what it felt like tonight. It felt like Cleveland kind of handed the momentum uh, to Oakland. And they Oakland ran with it. Give them credit. They, they ran with it and they got the job done in the ninth inning. Uh, their offense wasn't great either. I mean, it ends up being six hits at one point. At one point, the Guardians were out hitting them eight hits to three hits. They scratch, you know, a fourth hit out. And then I guess in the ninth inning here, they add another one. Oh, man. It just, yeah. We, we, we let them into this one. We let them back into this game. So that's my top storyline there. Uh, you know, it was nice to see uh, in the middle of this game, we were showing a little bit of pop. Uh, Oscar Gonzalez, again, r- absolutely ropes a, uh, a triple off the wall. And uh, not only was Bieber uh, a little slider happy, but uh, J.P. Sears, who was the starter for uh, Oakland, they call it a sweeper. It's not a slider, not a curve. It's a sweeper. I've never seen that before on StatCast. At least I don't think I have. Where they actually put kind of a nickname for a pitch uh, as the pitch on StatCast. I guess that's an official pitch now. In uh, on Statcast, a sweeper. Uh, I wonder, I wonder what the difference is here. All right, let's look at uh, Bieber's curve in his slider and see if this sweeper acts more like the curve or more like the slider. So it had 36 inches of vertical break. All right, 36 inches of vertical break. Uh, Bieber's slider has 34 inches. His curve has 52. Okay, so acting much more like a slider there. The uh, the horizontal break on the sweeper pitch is 13 uh, inches of run there. Uh, 13 inches of horizontal movement is what he averaged on the day. Bieber only averages 2 inches of, of horizontal break, averages uh, 10 on his knuckle curve. So, uh, yeah, this thing, it's, it's, it's a slider. It's kind of a slider. He can call it a sweeper, but... It's basically a slider that moves pretty far here. Um, 
So, yeah, so J.P. Sears threw it 33 times. Uh, it was 34% of his pitches. He did throw a fastball a lot, 52 times. And uh, pretty good numbers on it. Uh, 33% whiff rate on that sweeper. 42% CSW total on that pitch. We did put six in play, though. So when we go to this matchup here uh, between um, between J.P. Sears and uh, Oscar Gonzalez, uh, let's take a look at how Gonzalez was able to get things done here. So uh, it wasn't the sweeper. It wasn't the fastball. It was the changeup that Oscar Gonzalez hit. And he threw him two in a row, basically, in the same spot. He lays off one off the plate that he leaves like a front... He threw a changeup a lot to the right-handed hitters because it stays away from them. And uh, he can throw it to his arm side is what he did here against Oscar Gonzalez. But he leaves the first one away, comes back with a second one that comes back onto the plate, and Gonzalez makes him play. This this is the one 109.3 miles per hour, 402 feet to dead center field. Ricochets back off the wall, and Gonzalez on his horse legs out a triple. Uh, Josh Naylor would ground out and get the runner home. He did his job. It was actually an interesting at bat. It was a terrible swing. It was a pitch way outside of Naylor, who sucks against left-handed pitchers. Terrible against left-handed pitchers. But he's able to put the ball in place. So give credit to credit was due here to Josh Naylor. They were playing back on the infield. All he had to do was put it in play, and that's what he does. He swings at a terrible pitch. But he keeps, you know, he gets the bat on the ball, puts it in play. Gonzalez comes in to score. And then a batter later, Gabriel Arias works a tough at-bat. Faces four sweepers in a row, though. And the problem is Sears wasn't getting these down. Throws him four sweepers all at the belt, all at the same eye level. He swings through the first one, the most inside of the pitches. This one broke all the way across the zone inside on Gabriel Arias. And he swings through it. It was uh, on a 2-0 count, so maybe he thought he could tee off on one there. He would eventually throws him another one on the plate down the middle that he takes for a called strike. Throws him another one on the inside edge that he follows off. And throws him one, kind of splits the difference between the fourth and the fifth pitches. But another sweeper, four in a row. And he hits this one 109.1 mile per hour exit velocity, 423 uh, to center field. And drives in that home run. Everything hit in this fourth inning by the Guardians was straight down the middle of the field. I asked on Twitter, uh, game plan or coincidence? I feel like more of a coincidence. Uh, so the Guardians do a good job rallying there. And then, uh, you know, in the fifth inning, just a, a weird, weird play. Miles Straw going on the pitch, two outs, a 3-2 count. And Jose Ramirez bloops one into center field. Twice, twice in this game, the Oakland Athletics collide with each other when someone could have just called it and called the other one off. Call it aggressively. It's 3,000 people. Everyone in attendance should hear you calling for it. And instead, twice in this game, again in the ninth inning to let uh, Gabriel Arias at back continue, uh, twice Athletics players collide uh, instead of catching a ball. And this one looked like it could have been really ugly at first. Luckily, the center fielder, Ruiz, is able to adjust his angle and adjust his route so he doesn't collide with Tony Kemp. Uh, it kind of hits him with his glove as he's going by, so not much damage there to uh, you know to their health, luckily. 
But uh, Jose Ramirez just bloops in, and Straw was off and running and just keeps running and is able to come around and score. So uh, the Guardians were gifted the lead and then just handed all that momentum right back. Just, man, they could not do anything from this point forward. So it's a rough game. Uh, I know you're all pissed at Karen check. The bullpen was fighting out there. Trevor Steffen gives up a hit and a walk, but he gets out of the inning without giving up a run. De Los Santos gives up a hit and a walk, but gets out of the inning without giving up a run. Karinchek can't do it. Uh, what was Karen? He threw him a fastball, I know, uh, that Tony Kemp singled. Uh, what was Karinchek throwing on the day? Eight fastballs to four curves. Um, yeah. Let's see the location of his pitches here. Let's go over to the Illustrator, see where Karinchek was locating. Eh, the curveball was up. It was on the plate, but it was up a little bit. Uh, the fastballs are about what you expect. Uh, let's see where the one Tony Kemp hit was. Eh, it's, you know, at the little bit below the letters, kind of at the belly. Uh, an easy pitch for Tony Kemp to hit, kind of hit a line drive on, and that's exactly what he does. 95.1 out to right field. First pitch of the at-bat, by the way. Jumps on the first pitch. Man, Oakland was being ultra, ultra aggressive in this game. Swinging early in counts. All right. That's all my thoughts on this one. Not a very fun game, I'm going to be honest. And uh, MVP on the day? Oof. Uh, I'm going to go with Gabriel Arias. Hits his first home run of the season. Nice to see the young guy showing that pop, showing that power. It's something that could really develop. He could really develop into quite the hitter at the plate. So, uh, Gabriel Arias, why not? MVP on the day. All right. Uh, I told you I had, before we get out of here, I had a comment on Twitter. Um, TJ uh, hit me up. We've messaged a few times, and he hit me up, and he said, uh, at what point do you think Bibby goes, Tanner Bibby he's referring to, uh, I'm AAA pitcher, at what point do you think Bibby goes from not ready yet to just being an upgrade for Plesak? Uh So basically that question of, you know, what's going to happen with Plesak and is Bibby the guy to step in and take his spot? And uh, we were talking about it a little bit, and Plesak they announced on the game, is going to be available in the bullpen for the next few games because the bullpen's been taxed. He didn't pitch that many. He only pitched one inning, so he didn't he didn't really throw that many pitches. And we have an off day here, so they can't adjust the starters to adjust for that off day. Um, so they may not need a fifth starter here for, for a week or so. So uh, he's going to be available in the bullpen if they need him uh, with Hunter Gaddis starting tomorrow in an afternoon game, uh, day game out there in Oakland. So it'll be a quick turnaround for the guards out there. Uh, and the athletics, but yeah, I mean, already they're kind of messing with Plesak's spot in the rotation. So could a young guy like Bibby get that chance? Now there's probably some easier moves that Antonetti and Chernoff would make. Obviously Gaddis is here. And once um, McKenzie comes back from injury, it's still many weeks away, but once he does, uh, Gaddis is a guy that can continue to pitch. Xavier Curry is obviously already here and already filled in for Plesak, basically. Uh, and, and some other guys, Pilkington, Battenfield are in that conversation. When does Bibby join that conversation? I had not done a lot of research on Bibby. I'm not going to lie. 
And uh, reading his profile uh, on the MLB Prospects page, uh, they've got him ranked as our fifth prospect in the system. This guy's got a pretty incredible story. He was drafted in the fifth round of the 2021 draft. In Starting in 2022, his first full Major League season, he already pitches in high A and then jumps up to double A, and the numbers actually get better. That doesn't happen. That never happens. The numbers usually go the opposite direction. He had a 259 ERA in uh, 12 starts at High A Lake County. Going up to Akron then, he has 13 starts, and it gets a 1.83 ERA. It gets better. He went from a 1.07 whip at Lake County to a 0.88 whip. Walks, hits per inning pitch. You know, a big metric we look at for starting pitchers. Um, it gets better going up to Akron. Batting average against goes from 233 to 194 once he hits double A. So everything is getting better. Strikeout to walk ratio basically remains about the same. Uh, so yeah, it's it's pretty impressive. Let's up less home runs in double A. He had given up eight home runs in uh, Lake County. Only gives up four when he reaches double A. So he uh, is going to start the season at Triple A, and it's an exciting prospect here. Uh, you'll recognize him out on the mound. He's a right-handed pitcher, 6'2", and he's wearing glasses. So that's how you'll know when you see Tanner Bibby, the guy with glasses. Um, but then the bio on him, I love this. The Whoever did this scouting report is really in love with him. Uh, they got him graded at a 60 fastball, a 50 curveball, a 60 slider, a 55 change, 60 on the control. Overall, they got him graded at a 55. He was the number one starter in college for sophomore and junior year. Uh, Guardians made him, uh, it says here, a six-round pick or fifth-round pick? I think they're a little confused themselves on this site. Um, then they had him focus on refining his delivery, his pitches, deferred his pro debut until 2022. So they didn't even pitch him in 2021. They didn't even send him to Arizona or anything like that. They're like, here, here are the things we want you to work on. And the results were spectacular, the article says. He reached double A in July and finished the season ranked among the minor league leaders in ERA, sixth in ERA, uh, sixth in strikeout to walk ratio, eighth in whip, and walks per uh, nine innings, uh, tenth in all of uh, minor league baseball. The Guardians had Bibby focus on throwing with more intent, which freed up his delivery and allowed his stuff to take off. His fastball went from sitting at 90 to 93 miles per hour, peaking at 95 in college, to operating at 93 to 97 and touching 99 with carry and run. His sweeping slider went from parking around 8 miles per hour to the mid-80s, becoming a plus pitch. And his fading changeup made similar velocity games while continuing to confound left-handed hitters. So there you go. He can also mix in a curveball. Yeah, they love him. They they really love this guy. And uh, so Bibby is uh, exciting. He His name has been up there with Gavin Williams and Esposino, who are all top five in the system. Esposino and Gavin Williams are one, two as far as prospects go, but they're at double A right now. Bibby has made that jump to triple A. Uh, I don't know if he's pitched yet for the Clippers. Uh, but he's there, and yeah, he could be someone fast-tracked to Cleveland. I mean, it'd be cr pretty crazy to be drafted in 2021 as a starter, not as a reliever. Relievers do it. 
Relievers climb the ranks because you got one job as a reliever. Be nasty for one inning. As a starter, there's a lot of more work that goes into it. You know, continuing maintaining that pitch, maintaining that focus, uh, maintaining your mechanics throughout five, six innings, right? 80, 90, 100 pitches. That takes a lot of work. So for this guy to possibly come up and start two years after being drafted with one year of of, of professional baseball experience under his belt, it's going to be very impressive if that happens. But uh, I see why TJ brought his name up to our, you know to my attention because he is someone to keep your eye on. He is an exciting prospect who, of all those guys at AAA, you know some of them have already had chances. It didn't go very well. So why not a guy like Bibby be given an opportunity uh, before those other guys get their second chances? So uh, he is a little bit older than those other guys, Esposino and Williams. He's 24 because, again, he played college ball. Uh, and, uh, you know, had a successful college career before being even being drafted. So we will see, uh, police spot in the rotation. Yeah. Uh, we got to see some things. We, we police need some, a bounce back game next time out because, uh, his role could be changed and he could be very effective in the bullpen. I mean, they can maximize his skill set in the bullpen. It doesn't mean the end of the road for Plesac. It just means eh, might need to make some room in the starting rotation. So, uh, all right. Thank you. Thank you, TJ, for the comment and the uh, conversation sparker and letting us research and learn a little bit more about Tanner Bibby. All right. That's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Eh, We got to go win this series. Let's go do it. Let's go win this series. Again, the final from last night, it's the uh, Oakland Athletics 4, the Cleveland Guardians 3. They walk it off on us in the bottom of the ninth inning. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Spotify, and there is a link in the show notes. You can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.